I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, welcome to episode Radic Bonk of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Colin Cudmore, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Trevor Shackles. It's been a little while since the last episode. How have things been with you, Trevor? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, obviously, been able to watch hockey the past month. Um, been lucky enough to explore some of beautiful British Columbia out here, and uh, yeah, how about you? Yeah, it's been great. I've actually been outside a lot, too, exploring some Ontario area, too. But yeah, it's it's been... It's been interesting watching hockey in the bubble. I've actually been watching a fair amount of tennis too. So, but we're we're, we're primarily a hockey podcast here, so I think we'll stick to those topics today. But uh, I mean, things have been pretty quiet for the Sens. Uh, I mean, I, I'm personally just counting the days until the draft, as I'm sure many of you still are as well. I believe it's 40 days now as of the day of recording. So, uh, but today we've gone like a bit of a different direction, and we've opened it up to you, the listeners. So we put out a plea for ideas on Twitter the other day because we're kind of out of ideas at this point in this off in this long off season, and we've incorporated a bunch of those ideas. Uh, into today's episode. It's sort of a mega mailbag kind of style episode. Uh, but before that, um, I think it's worth um, talking about. I think it's important actually to talk about what's been happening across the world with the Black Lives Matter protests against uh, police brutality and that leading to the NHL, along with uh, pretty much every professional sports league postponing their games for uh, a few days this past week. So Trevor, do you want to just give us a quick rundown of that? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, as everyone knows, um, you know, the another senseless shooting down in the states of uh jacob blake and kind of similar to the george george floyd um situation where it, it quickly because of the video that was shown um which is honestly like quite horrific to watch um because of that video being shown i think it was um pretty easy for people to unite in their um so just sort just sort of be be united as as athletes across many different sports. You know, we saw NBA, WNBA, uh, MLS, MLB, and even the NHL sort of all uniting in this cause against uh, systemic racism and, and police brutality. And I, I think most people would agree that the NHL was a day late on this because you know the NBA had had canceled games on I believe it was the Wednesday night, and NHL didn't do that until a day later. Um. So I don't think anyone would argue that the NHL is like leading the cause in this or anything, but I will say it's it's better than nothing what they've done. And I think what the Hockey Diversity Alliance, the HDA, what, what they've been doing has been good. And, you know, they've asked the NHL for specific goals moving forward. Uh, I think it was eight or nine, it might've been nine. Um, and, and these seem like real tangible goals, something that the league can actually do. So I think... If the NHL can actually try to implement these, then we're moving in a in a, in a good um, we're we're moving in a good direction. But I think it we'll, we'll see how they respond to these um, you know these messages from the HDA because if they don't really do anything about it, then it's just kind of empty words like in the past. Mm-hmm, for sure, and and it's, it's important to remember that like. This is all part of the Black Lives Matter movement, which is part of a civil rights movement. And it's good that they're allowing them to uh, the space to speak out and giving players um, the empowerment to speak out. And we've seen lots of players from the Hockey Hockey Diversity Alliance taking the lead on that. But it's great to see some um, allies as well starting to step up in the NHL as well and and starting to... um, participating in that and let's let's also remember that like this is led by the players this was forced yes. upon the league by uh the pressure from the players and from other leagues and from the fans as well and we have to give massive credit to the wnba who took the mass who took the big lead on this was the first league and has been i mean th- throughout this entire whole th- this whole weird uh bubble season uh they've, they've really been taking a lead on the social justice movement and then with the nba as well but yeah, it's it's kudos to the players for going on this. I mean, hockey is such a, a predominantly white sport that there is we it, it's incredibly clear there's still in, like an incredible amount of room to go in terms of um, diversity and making 
minorities feel included in in, in hockey and in, 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 in many sports in general, but hockey is kind of um, it's, it's especially relevant to hockey, I think. Yeah. So, uh, and it's great that the Hockey Diversity Alliance is is uh, taking action with this and is starting to show some more power, and that the NHL is actually uh, followed the recommendation in postponing games, even though, as you mentioned, it was a day late. Um, but yeah, Colin. Yeah, no, you know, you know, what was great to see actually too, though, was the fact that there were a lot of media members. I would, I would almost say like the majority of them, at least like the the most prominent ones were actually giving the league flack for playing on Wednesday night. And it seemed like they were actually on top of this issue in terms of, um, the, you know, like the players and the league should be striking here, um, which was very, you know, that, that was surprising to see. And, and I was happy to see that, to be honest, because I think in the past, even like a year ago, I don't think um, that would have been happening. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, to the, to the people who say that, oh, like what is striking going to do? I don't think there's any like particular immediate goal because like we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, right? But I think just the fact that we're having these conversations is already um, a step in the right direction. Oh, totally. And it's a matter of just getting that first domino to fall. And if we get that conversation rolling and we've, we've seen a lot of that happen, which I think has been fantastic, then that can definitely lead to more uh, actual changes. And we saw that with the Milwaukee Bucks, who even actually started to get a vote in, on legislation uh, yep. of police reform in, uh, yeah, who, who actually got, who actually is starting to see some real change happen from uh, just getting that conversation rolling in the NBA. So um, who knows what that will lead to with the NHL joining in on this. Um, but I think it's also worth mentioning that the Sens released a statement too, which was very bland. And I mean, it was better than the last one, which was totally tone deaf, but it also was one of the, the later ones in the NHL. But I just really hope that they start showing their support for Anthony Duclair and the Hockey Diversity Alliance because, I mean, he is one of their own players and one of the few um, visible players of color in the league. So uh, if they can just start back putting their support behind him, I mean, it seems like such an obvious thing they should be doing, but uh, uh, who knows what was going on behind the scenes there with the Sens. Definitely. And and you want to see them doing a lot more, um, even in just, I mean, you want to see them doing more in terms of actual action, but even in terms of their words, it'd be nice to see some more, you know, using terms like systemic racism and police brutality and, um, you know, you know, using people's names like Jacob Blake and George Floyd and things like that. So, um, and calling out the police directly too. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm very encouraged with a lot of these things. And, and I think just the fact that, teams have been able to um, get arenas down in the States to be used as polling centers for, for the upcoming election. That's like a huge step. And I don't know why they didn't use them as polling stations in the past. So it's clear yeah. that like <laughs> these owners, these billionaire owners um, can actually make a difference if, um, you know, if these players are striking. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> difficult to transition from something, you know, so so important in life like obviously sports you know take a backseat to things like social justice and when we're talking about black lives um nevertheless um you know we, we do have th- some things planned for this episode so um I, I was just wondering on your thoughts about the playoffs so far what's happened um are there any surprises that you've seen Honestly, for as chaotic as I expected these playoffs to be, given the massive break, it's actually gone pretty as expected. A lot of the strong teams that we've expected to go far have been performing very well. I still have Vegas as my cup pick, and I'll still stand by that. But uh, I don't know. Have you found there's been have there been any teams that have kind of jumped out to you as any surprises? I mean, like I've I've been quite vocal over the past year and even last year too about I just don't really think the Islanders are that good of a team. Um, I, I'll give a ton of props to Barry Trotz because I think he's mm-hmm. a fantastic coach and it seems like he's propping them up somehow, but I just don't understand how they're up 2-1 in this series in the second round against the Flyers. Um, they've obviously had like quite an easy path to get there so far, but um, yeah, I, I would say like they're the one team that are really surprising me and um, obviously Ottawa has a, a vested interest in, in how far they go because if they win two more games in this series... Their their draft pick moves down from from twenty second all the way to twenty eighth, uh, and maybe even a bit lower than that. So, uh, definitely would be nice to see the uh, the Flyers win this series. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, they'll have to get past the, the Islanders' defensive system, which has done an amazing job of preventing shots against so far, better than any other team in the playoffs, actually. So, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, kudos to Barry Trotz for taking this ragtag team of players, including personal favorite Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Shout out to him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, they seem to be working well with it, so who knows how far that will take him. Maybe there's 2017 cents written all over them, too, and there's, I'm sure there's a bit of luck drawn into this as well, but... Um, yeah, uh, I hope, hopefully the Flyers can come back because yeah, I'm, ultimately I'm still hoping for that Sens draft pick. Mm-hmm. Are you? So you said Vegas. You're sticking with Vegas. Um, who are you taking from the East? Is that I, I forget who you had before. I had Boston, but of course they're okay. losing to Tampa Bay right now. So I mean, if if Tampa, if whoever comes out from this Tampa Boston series, I think is going on to the finals. I think that'd be fair. Yeah, I I had Tampa Colorado from the beginning, so I'll stick with that with uh, Tampa winning it all. So. Right, so brackets are still um, yeah. intact. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right, so this, this next uh, topic that we have down, this is actually a suggestion from one of you at the Giant Pie on Twitter. And this is all about taking on some bad contracts. Something the Sens have done a fair amount of in recent years. They have, I believe, Ryan Callahan on their payroll right now, as well as Marion Gavrick. Just given the amount of cap space the Sens have right now, it's, it just seems like something that would make sense for them to do. But of course, the internal budget and the and it, it'd be great to pick up some more draft picks. And, and it's something that's come up with in our Westerner questions a few times too. And I think, you, Trevor, you have some names lined out here of the potential players that the Sens might, uh, you think they might even want to trade for? Yeah, so um, the, you know, the Giant Pie, had, like you had said, had suggested this on Twitter. Um, tons of other people too, um, you know, over the past couple months had kind of had similar questions so i thought it would, it would be something um you know worthwhile looking into so i just went through all 30 30 other teams and looked at what contracts are bad and what contracts you know teams would be wanting to move and so i came up with 10 names all of them are three years or less uh you know a- anything longer than that is kind of you don't really want to commit to that term even if even if ottawa isn't going to be good for the next like couple years anyway um, so, so 10, you know, two of the contracts are for one year, four of them for are for two years and four of them for are for three years. So I'll just go through the names. Um, there's Alex Steen, Brandon Sutter, Louis Erickson, Johnny Boychuk, Cal Clutterbuck, Anton Strahlman, Kyle Ocposo, Andrew Ladd, Milan Lucic, and James Neal. Um, we don't have to go through every single one in terms of their actual contract, um, you know, their value and, and things like that. Um, but Obviously, Colin, you can you can see uh, I have it written down here for the um, for their contracts. Are there any guys on here that stand out to you that w- you think would be worthwhile uh, for taking on? Um, I feel like a lot of this would come down to what pick the team is willing to add in as a sweetener. I think the one that's come up a few times actually was uh, Milan Lucic because he I mean he, he's he's someone that um, I mean the Flames are just dying to get rid of him it seems like and with the three years left at six million dollars. That's going to take quite the sweetener for for the Sens to uh, take on that contract. So, uh, I mean, the Sens obviously have the cap space, and if they can get a first round pick out of that, well, I, and I think it's interesting too because um, every player on this list besides James Neal, so nine of these players, they all have a lower salary than an AAV. So, you know, for Melnick, it would definitely be worth it. Um, some of these guys had their bonuses paid already, so for the upcoming season, their AAV might be you know, a couple million dollars less. Um, I think, so there's two guys on the list don't have any, uh, no trade clauses or anything. And that's Kyle Clutterbuck and James Neal. Um, Neal has obviously a similar contract to Lucic, but then again, he does have that, um, you know, his his act, the actual money he's owed isn't any less. So Ottawa might be averse to that. I think someone like Brandon Sutter could be a good, um, a good player to target because I know the Canucks are going to be really cash uh, cash strapped. They'll have Patterson and Hughes as RFAs in a year from now, and so Sutter has a year left. He's as a three and a half million dollar salary and a four point three seven five AAV. Um, he does have a fifteen team no trade clause, so like Ottawa could be on that. But at the same time, if you know, if the Canucks are saying, okay, we're going to trade you no matter what, like maybe he, he'll just accept it anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I think you could still even get a good pick for that, even though there's just one year left on his contract. Um, 
And, and I think some of the three, the guys with uh, three years left, so that would be Ocposo, Ladd, Lucic, and Neal, <laughs> which, funny, funnily enough, like that was, I think they were all signed in 2016, which just had a slew of horrendous uh, free agent deals that year. Um, but, but the guys with three years left, that's definitely a lot riskier just because there's a decent chance in that third year that Ottawa is, you know, maybe not amazing, but at least like trying to go for a playoff spot. So, um, yeah, some, someone with one or two years left might be a bit better for them to target. And staring down this list, the only thing I can really think of is being thankful that the Sens are staying queer of free agency at almost all costs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. so many of these deals have gone completely uh, completely arrived so quickly and I mentioned you mentioned that 2016 crop and everybody knew as soon as all these contracts were signed that, that they would turn into into this kind of situation where they would not be good in the next two or three years and that's exactly what's happened so yeah um glad, glad the sense stayed clear of that and I guess they can maybe even profit off of it a bit and getting some more draft picks for future years so yeah that's that's really what we're focusing on for the sense rebuild is stockpiling those draft picks and and uh yeah maybe we can get a young player in that too who knows but I mean, it would also. We also have to keep in mind that the Sens are on an internal budget themselves. Who knows to what extent they'll even be willing to make these kinds of trades? But um, I'm glad you've, you've got the list here. It's a question that I've been uh, kind of struggling to answer in in the past. So uh, glad you kind of got uh, a whole bunch of great options here. Yeah, and and I, I should just say quickly too. Um, I wouldn't necessarily expect Ottawa to take on any of these guys because. I mean, like like you mentioned, a couple of players that we have on the books, uh, Callahan, who I believe is a UFA in the summer, uh, you know, someone like Gabrick, those guys were brought on because they were, you know, Callahan was in exchange for Condon, who was a bad contract. Gabrick was in exchange for Fanof, who was a bad contract. So they haven't really taken on like full deals like this. So I wouldn't necessarily expect them to spend all this money. Um, they will have to reach the cap floor, yes. Um, but I don't know. And, and I, and obviously like teams are going to be strapped because of the, the flat cap over the next couple seasons. So, um, you'd hope they would take advantage of it, but I, I wouldn't necessarily count on it. It's also worth mentioning that Thomas Shabbat steel kicks in next year as well. So uh, it's not like, I, I don't think the sense are going to have much of a hard time reaching the cat floor. So I know that was a bit more discussed last off season where it seemed to cut a bit close. Although I, that's never really been a problem for the sense at least. I don't think so. Totally. Uh, I don't think there'll be, uh, especially with the flat cap this year too. Uh, that's going to make things a lot easier on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, okay, so the next, the next thing we wanted to go over was... Um, I don't know if I had seen it on a hockey podcast or I don't know. It might've been baseball or something, but um, I just kind of wanted to do something interesting where I would, or sorry, both of us would go through all 30 other teams from the bottom of the standings up and see if we would trade spots with that organization. And now originally I had proposed that, you know, we included everything. So players, picks, prospects, um, owners, things like that. And then I realized uh, if we included owners, I don't even know if we would trade with anyone. So like just being too pessimistic. So let's just go with, we are swapping, uh, players within, within the organization and their draft picks. So, you know, guys in the NHL, AHL, other prospects and their picks for the next few seasons. So, um, are we counting coaches and GMs too and staff and stuff like that? Or is that uh, ownership? Hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think it's worth including, and I, I even mentioned ownership a little bit here. But uh, I think, yeah, I think we should we should definitely include the staff and personnel there. Okay. Well, don't don't include ownership though, because I I feel like that's a <laughs> that's too that's too like pessimistic, and uh, you know we don't want to make this too depressing an episode. Exactly. Exactly. So I already know there's going to be some difference between us, but okay. Let let's start at the bottom of the list. Um, Detroit Red Wings. Are you are you swapping with them? 
So, just a heads up, there are very few teams I'm swapping with here, but the Detroit Red Wings are the only other one where I can confidently say that, yes, I would swap with them. Um, uh, they, they, they're, if we're just looking at the Sens, I'm honestly a bit, like, I'm not too high on their future outlook, and I, can, I will probably get into that a little bit more, but I mean, if you look at the Red Wings, they have, like, three... Two, two or three decent players on their roster total. Like, you have Dylan mm-hmm. Larkin, you have Anthony Mantha. I'm actually a decent fan of Philip Pronick as well. But their contract situation is completely albatross right now. Uh, filled with, with, like, they're a cap-strapped team for one of the bottom, for one of the worst teams in the past decade. So, um, for me, it, it even, it, I'd even put their prospect pool above the sense too. I mean, of course, they have guys like Philip Cena and Mort, Mort Sider and the fourth overall selection this year. But, of course, the Sens have a, I'd say have a pretty superior prospect pool. So all of that included, Detroit Red Wings. Sorry, guys, but you are the one team that I will confidently swap with. Yeah, I gotta agree. I I don't have too much else to add. They, uh, confidently they're... not swap with. Sorry. <laughs> yes, yes, confidently not swap with. Yes. Um, okay, next team, San Jose Sharks. Ooh, this is a bit tougher, but I think this is more. I I would say I would, I would swap with them, and I know. This is probably going to be a big, bit of a controversial take, given that they they had such a big fall this season. But I'm I think it's worth getting into why I'm just not so high on the sense position right now. I mean, if you look at their roster, they have one top six forward in Brady Kachuk, and that's it. They have one top four defenseman in Thomas Shabbat, and and that's it. And they have no starting goalie either. I mean, you can talk about Andres Nielsen or Marcus Hogberg, but you can't say that they have a top 15, 20, even top 30 goalie in the league last season. So if you look at the Sens roster from that perspective, they have a long, long ways to go. If, if you want to add five top six forwards and three top four defensemen to the roster to become a, a, a true contender, that's a long ways to go. And I'm sure the Sens have lots of value stocked in draft picks and prospects right now, but that's all potential, and that's all still things that will need to progress, and is, is still you're, you're still betting on, on the future and that these players start to develop. And there's a lot of important steps, and there's a lot of crucial aspects that need to be improved on for the sense if they want to reach that point if they want to manifest that into some success so it'll be very it's very delicate it's very easy to, easy to crumble down um if you want to talk about their coaching staff too i mean i'm not as confident in dj smith as, as some as some people seem to be especially with how he handled Zaitsev. i mean jack capuano as well is is he just needs to not be jack capuano essentially i mean he's he's uh been pretty awful in special teams wherever he's gone and uh, I, I know the Sharks have tumbled down and they still have some pretty awful contracts, but I mean, I'm still a fan of players like Carlson and Burns, and they're, even though their forward core is aging, I think there's still some salvage. There's still some things you can salvage from that, especially when you compare it to the Sens. It's not a tough, it's not an easy decision, but uh, I think I, I I would probably switch. Colin, respectfully, I think you are insane in this. I mean, okay, I, what you said about the Senators is totally um valid and you know they definitely do have a long way to go they you know they're gonna have to hit on those prospects and those picks so you know it's not like a guarantee they're gonna be amazing but man they got a 35 year old brent burns for another five years at eight million dollars mark edward vlasic's 33 he has another six years at seven million dollars and he's already like not good anymore martin jones for another four years at five seven five and he's just you know one of the worst goalies in the league um you know obviously carlson like is still very good but 11 and 11.5 million dollars like probably isn't going to be worth that over the course of that contract uh you know even like logan Gutierrez, 31 uh kane signed for seven million dollars over the next five years like I don't know. Like this, this core wasn't even good this year, and they're like they're only gonna get worse. I feel like, and they got no prospects. So I would. There's no way I would trade with this team, even if Ottawa like is somewhat flawed. Yeah, I mean, I can respect the take. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I completely agree with that. I think that that the Sharks have held on to some of their players for too long and have some pretty awful contracts that are probably gonna. Uh, that are going to be a bit of a pain to get out themselves out of. But at the same time, they have at least three players who would be the Sens' best forward right now. For sure, but like they're they're older though. Yeah, and, but I, I, I don't know. I, I still look at the Sharks team, and I know they weren't very good this year, and I think a lot of that came down to Martin Jones. So if they can get some some a little bit more goaltending down, I still think there is something a little bit more salvageable in the, in this team. So maybe I'm a bit crazy for thinking that, but I, it, it, it was one down year, so... Um, and I am also just not as confident in this sense as I guess maybe you are as well. So for sure, I I think 
I think what sold me on the fact that they're not very good anymore. It like their possession numbers weren't even that great either. So I, I'm not True. expecting a bounce back, but um, they obviously like have so much talent, and you know they went to conference final uh, just a year ago. So which is which is kind of crazy. True. All right. So the next team on our list, we're moving up one, uh, is the Los Angeles Kings at 28th last year. Uh, what's your verdict on this one? Yeah, so I would definitely swap with the Kings. They're loaded um, in their prospect pool. One of the few teams that would have a better pool than the Senators. Um, you know, you, you look just, just down the middle. They have Anze Kopitar, who's still very good. You got Alex Turcotte, um, you know, probably Quinton Byfield if they draft him. Uh, Rasmus Kapari, Akil Thomas, um, Gabe Velarde. Like, they're, they're just stacked in, in a lot of different areas. Um their NHL team obviously isn't very good right now, but um, yeah, they they should be very good in a couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, it, it would suck to have Drew Doughty on my team, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, bad just, contract. You, <laughs> you, you just look at their prospect pool, and even their depth as well is totally incredible. I've been really impressed with their drafting in the past few years too. Uh, taking someone like Arthur Kaliev, and even some of their uh, uh, their um, even further down in their prospect pool, you have guys like Tyler Madden and. And uh, Buat Shafi Gulen was a guy I was actually um, uh, preaching on in his draft year. So, um, yeah, you're right. There, there are, there's only a small handful of teams. I'd say maybe five, six, even maybe not even that of prospect pools on trade with with the Sens. And the LA Kings are, I'd say, strongly the number one team, and, and they're going to have another great pick this year too. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's pretty cut and dry. Um, next team, Anaheim Ducks. This is another tough one. I, I, I honestly kind of similar to the Sharks in a way because they have some players that they've walked in uh, for uh, a bit longer than I, I'd hope, and a bit of an aging core as well, which is not going to be getting uh, any better. In fact, they're going to definitely be getting worse. But I would also, I would switch with the Ducks because I, I feel that like they also have a decent prospect pool too. And again, I'm just not as high on the Sens uh, core right now as well. And the Ducks definitely have some uh, decent players still left in their system, but I don't know. Yeah, slightly different. I mean, I think, you know, if you're talking about who has the better NHL players right now, like it's obviously the Ducks. Um, they weren't that great, but they, they do still have some talented players. I wouldn't trade with them, though, just because I, I like they're not going to be winning a Stanley Cup with the core that they have right now. Um, you know, Getzlaff's still a good player. He's 35. Um, even Silverberg, like you think of him as kind of young. He's 29. Cam Fowler's 28. Um, even John Gibson's 27, like that's, you know, he'll, he'll probably start getting, he already had a bad year this year. So who knows like how long he's going to be at, at the top of his game. So to me, like, I don't know. I, I, I think Ottawa is actually in a strange way closer to a cup just because for, for me, like the ducks would have to really start the rebuild in terms of, you know, okay. Getting rid of some of these older players, um, probably trying to get rid of that Fowler contract, which is there for the next six years. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think I actually would trade with them, even if they do have a decent prospect pool. I just, I, I like the fact that Ottawa is kind of at the big, at the starting line, whereas the Ducks aren't even there yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. And uh, at, at the same time, like, yeah, I think it's just a matter of the, the Ducks definitely have a better roster right now. And that's kind of what I, I think is... is is what I'm betting on more is that uh, I I don't know I I think it all comes back down to, to just how I'm not as convinced with the Sens right now and that they're just so yeah um, stockpiled in potential and and a lot of that is still yet to manifest itself at the NHL level so while that could pretend, definitely take them to uh, higher places then uh, I'm I'm just also I don't know mm-hmm. it, it, it's tough because the, the Ducks are just kind of one of those teams that's kind of fallen under the radar a bit too so. Totally. Uh, but the next team on the list is the New Jersey Devils. Uh, it's actually, I'm, I'd be interested to hear your take on this one. Is uh, Would you trade or would oh. you uh, stick with them? This one is tough. You know, they obviously have Jack Hughes, who didn't have a great year, but has a ton of upside. Ooh, it's tough. I, <clears throat> I'm i going to say no, but I that's probably some bias in there. Um, you can't really go wrong with starting a core out with Hughes and Heashier. Um, you know, even a guy like Nikita Gusev, was, which was a great pickup for them. Um, you know, you got Damon Severson and Mackenzie Blackwood as well. So I would say no, 
but that might be, you know, if, if I was a bit more familiar with their prospect system, which I'm not really, I would maybe say yes. So like I would, I could go either way, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I would probably almost certainly switch with the Devils. I'm really confident in that, in that, uh, Number one center, Jack Hughes. Number two center, Nico Hishier. That could take them a long, long ways. And I know they have yet to really break out for a massive season yet, but uh, just watch out in the next one or two seasons because those two could be really, really dangerous for the next decade plus. So uh, yeah. I know maybe that could happen with the Sens and with their prospects this year, uh, with wh- whoever they pick. But uh, with the Devils, yeah, I'm I'm fully on board with, with, uh, with that core that they have going there. I mean, I think it's interesting to if... You know, if Ottawa ends up with Byfield and Raymond, I wonder, do you think you'd be a bit more optimistic about some of these? I think so. Yeah, it, it would probably change a little bit. But yeah. at the same time, like, uh, there's still a long, long ways to go before they have a, a, a solid core where you can say that they have six guys who can play in their top six um, without having uh, to move guys up and overplay guys like Zaitsev and Ron Hainsey. So mm-hmm. still a long ways to go for them, which is why I guess I, I'm still pretty down on them but uh i don't know do you want to move on to the next team yeah so i okay my proposal here is let's talk about this next team which is the buffalo sabers and then after that we'll do rapid fire we'll go back and forth for each one because otherwise we're going to be here a while <laughs> but All right, true. um okay so yeah buffalo sabers what do you think this is one where i i've so far detroit's the only team that i would confidently switch with or confidently not switch with but i think the sabers are this other team that I feel pretty, I feel pretty decent saying that I would switch with them. I mean, they certainly have, have better players right now, Eichel, Reinhardt, and Rasmus Dahlin, but they're still in off position standings wise. I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen is kind of their equivalent of Cody Cece with a sense. Yeah. But uh, I mean, if if we're talking about ownership as well, which I mean, I know we aren't, we're trying to avoid that, but uh, they're the only other team that can really rival the sense in their ownership troubles as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's close as well. Um... You know, you have that Jeff Skinner contract, which is just awful. $9 million for the next, I think, six years? I think six, yeah. Um, yeah, so it'd be close. I would, yeah, I, I would say I would say not switch, but it'd be very close. Um, okay, so let's just do rapid fire. Okay, Montreal Canadiens, are you switching or no? I am switching, yes. Okay, I would, I would probably switch as well. Yeah, I'd probably switch. But I think you can make a case for Weber and Price, you know, contracts. I'm also I'm also a big fan of the first line too. I think they have something going on there that's uh, been pretty underrated week wide. Yeah, uh, Blackhawks. Yeah, I would switch as well. <laughs> I mean, they, they 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 still have an aging core, but again, there there might be something to salvage there if they can uh, if they can get some of their young players up and uh, and ready. So, and of course, the Sens are kind of all of the same reasons I mentioned with the Sens. I'm just not still too high on them. So. Just quickly, I would say no. I would say wouldn't switch to them just because, similar to the Ducks, I just think Ottawa would be closer to a cup just because they have, you know, they're kind of at the beginning of that rebuild. Um, okay, next team, Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, I'd probably still switch to them too. Uh, I think they... Really? Yeah, I, 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 I still think that they have a decent forward core going as well. That's still way ahead of the sense right now and where they are. And they, I'm actually pretty high on the Coyotes forward core, their, their prospect pool as well. I think they have some amazing depth there that actually I'd put ahead of the sense if we're talking about prospect pool rankings right now. So what about you? No, I would not. They, no picks in the first three rounds. No first rounder next year. No, I mean, they were what, like 22nd or something this year, 21st or whatever. I just don't see the upside. Um minnesota wild i'd probably still switch here i know I'm, i know this is kind of depressing but i I'd, I'd probably still switch here um i'm trying to think of 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 reasons why but i think it's mostly just because i'm still kind of not too high on the sense but mm-hmm. yeah fair enough again i'm i'm the opposite i'm not switching <laughs> winnipeg jets <laughs> yeah i'm switching again i they got some amazing tool they got some amazing pieces going forward so yeah yeah, I'd be the same. They they just the amount of good talent they have on there is too hard to ignore. I think um, I think at this point we're almost getting to the point where uh, where there there are very few teams where it's kind of even even a debate at this point. But do you want to continue? Yeah, I think. Well, let's. Okay, let me look at the list. Let's see who I who I wouldn't swap with. Um, you know, like the obvious teams I would swap with. You know, Bruins, Lightning, Avalanche, Flyers, Penguins, Knights. Um, hurricanes who else 
I honestly, I wouldn't switch. Well, oh, it's tough. Like, I think for this season, there's like a decent chance that the Islanders somehow have a Cinderella run and maybe even win it all. But <laughs> moving forward, their contracts are terrible. And like for guys that are more role players, so I don't, I don't know. Like, I, they could easily be similar to like the 17, 18 Senators where they just fall off the map next year. So I don't necessarily think I would swap with them. At least for next year. That's an interesting case, but I mean, if you look at how, how they're performing right now with Barry Trotz, I mean, it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a hard option to, to pass up for me at least. So yeah, it's true. I know. Um, and then besides that, I mean, definitely swapping with the Leafs, sw- swapping with the Oilers, just so you get McDavid and Drysaitel. Um, hmm. Are we counting fan base too? Because then I'm not swapping with Toronto. No, we're not counting <laughs> fan base. What about? Okay, here's an interesting. Well two interesting teams that I think would be somewhat of a debate. Um, Columbus and Florida. Oh man. No, I, I'm a huge fan of the Panthers core. They've got building right now as well. I would, de- I would definitely swap with them. Guys like Barkov, Huberdeau, Aaron Ekblad as well. Aaron Ekblad and Michael Matheson to un- talk about an underrated defensive duo. One of the best in the league last year. So the Suns are still far ways from having anything close to that right now. So um, I would definitely swap with the Panthers. What was the other team you mentioned? The Blue Jackets? Blue Jackets. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'd be curious to hear your take on that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think that'd be close. They have, I don't know. They're kind of a team that has a lot of like decent players, not a lot of stars. They did with Panarin, obviously. I mean, they got Jones and Wierenski, which is great. Um, mm, it'd be close. I think to me, Ottawa just because they don't have like because they don't have like a lot of contracts yet. They sort of have the higher upside in my mind, like just because, you know, if, if they're taking Byfield and Raymond or whatever, I just, I just think that that they'll eventually have guys with higher upside, even if they don't necessarily have that on their actual roster right now. Yeah. It's really a blank slate for the Suns right now, which is why it's kind of hard to judge right now. And it's a matter of how much confidence do we have that the Suns are going to eventually surpass these kinds of teams. And personally, I don't have much confidence, which is why I think I'm pretty bullish on this right now. And I mean, if you look at a team like the Blue Jackets, I place, like one, two, three, four, yeah, four forwards who would probably be their the Suns' best forward right now, at least. Again, th- those are the two teams. Those are two teams I probably would swap with. I think my final tally is only, um, I think my final tally is what only two teams that I two. would <laughs> that I would not swap with, which is the yeah. Red Wings and Sabers. And I think uh, that maybe speaks a bit to my apathy with the Suns right now, as I think has become pretty clear in. Uh, the past handful of episodes but uh... <laughs> no I, I just think I think a couple things uh, worth mentioning just coming back to the Panthers for a second um, you know if we are including coaching staff and GM and, and front office and everything I think it is worth mentioning that true the Panthers have just been abysmal at signing players um, you know like acquiring them I mean they obviously have Huberto and Barkov and Ekblad and, and that good core, but they've just been terrible at supplementing that. So I don't necessarily think I would be that confident in that. Um, but then in just in terms of overall, I think it's, I, th- I think it's fair for you to, you know, be kind of um, bearish on this and like, um, you know, you know, take a lot of these other rosters over the centers, because like you said, it's a, it's a blank slate and there's a lot of unknowns. So like we don't, even even guys who are NHL ready like Brown and Batherson and that we don't really know how good they're going to be as NHL players because they haven't played in a full season. So it's fair to be somewhat skeptical. I'm definitely more optimistic, I think, uh, for their prospect pool and just the fact that they have an insane amount of picks this year. Um, but I think in like a year we'll have a much better sense of where this core is going. You know, if guys like Norris are going to be part of the core and if Batherson can stick in the top six and things like that. So. Um, it's definitely like pretty hard to say at this stage. Yeah, and I mean, we're, we're trying to keep ma- management and ownership out of this, but I mean, it's kind of hard to ignore it altogether. And I think that's where a lot of my apathy stands from, anyways. Like, if you're to if we're to do a poll right now and ranking like our front office confidence rankings, the sense would probably be my my thirty first team by a healthy margin at this point, actually. And I mean, a lot of it is because of ownership and because I haven't mm-hmm. been too too happy with how they've been able to supplement their previous talent talent pools as well and i mean you look at how they uh they couldn't build around guys like mark stone and eric carlson and that was and and, it, and 
it's it's still the apathy of like if they get these players and they have all these great talent coming from the prospect pool, how are they going to build around that? You kind of mentioned that with the Panthers too. How are they going to build around that? And do we have the confidence that they'll be able to take them to the next level? Because building a contender is going to take a lot, a lot of work and a lot of small, important steps along the way. And I'm just not as confident the Sims are going to be able to do that right now. But this isn't going to be turned into a depression hour. So I think we should move on to our <laughs> yeah. uh, our next topic. Do you want to introduce this one? Yeah. So uh, this was a topic suggestion from Robert Lennox and Paul on Twitter. Um, at, at Sorry, at Paul GB underscore. And so this was just talking about the our initial expansion uh, list for the Seattle Kraken team. And, you know, this is obviously something that will talk more about in what I guess next June or something or well maybe the expansion draft gets pushed back so um yeah I think a lot can change from now until then I'll I'll preface uh with that to begin with but for now it's it's kind of interesting to talk about so you can protect uh seven forwards three defensemen and one goalie and then we can discuss who the unprotected players are so uh do you want to go let's uh, start with the forwards then Actually, just before that, I want to mention that if we're talking about whether we would, we'd trade places with the Seattle Kraken, I'd probably choose that too, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, yeah, they'd have a lot of assets, I guess, probably. Their front office is already far ahead better than the Sens, anyways, at least. So. That's true, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we want to talk about forwards first. So I, I think we both gone the same route where we're protecting seven forwards and not going for four defensemen. I think we'll, as mm-hmm. we'll find out that the, that the list for defensemen to protect is actually pretty thin. Uh, but the seven forwards I have pro- I have protected are uh, Brady Kachuk, Colin White, uh, Vitaly Ibrahimov, Drake Batherson, Logan Brown, Rudolf Balters, and Philip Schlappik. Do you want to just go over your list pretty quickly? Yeah, so I have five of the same. I have Kachuk, uh, Anthony Duclair, Colin White, Vitaly Abramov, Drake Batherson, uh, Connor Brown, Logan Brown. Uh, yeah, and those are the seven. Um, so the two that we have different you have balsers and schlopic and i have connor brown and duclair mm-hmm. so this is pretty interesting i think i mentioned earlier i said that the Sens have exactly one top six forward and i think that is a statement that may be a bit controversial amongst Sens fans right now but i am also not sold at all on the Sens on the Sens current roster at all and i think it's kind of a team that i comfortably expect to finish at least bottom of three next year and guys like Connor Brown, sure, he may be fine defensively, but he's also kind of sucking up offense as well. And Anthony Duclair, kind of the opposite, where he's decent on offense, but he also sucks up the defense as well. He was one, actually one of the NHL's worst defensive forwards last year from Evolving mm-hmm. Wild's model. So I went more all out on protecting prospects. So I added Rudolf Balzers and Philip Schlappick to that. Uh, two guys who have shown uh, great potential in the AHL. And even Schlappick, actually, in his stint this year, he was actually one of the Sens' best defensive forwards last year. And from Evolving Wild's model... Um, was actually one of the Sens, I think, top five forwards in, gar- in uh, goals above replacement last year. So um, he's proven to be effective at the NHL level. So he's a guy that I would protect over guys like Connor Brown and Duclair, who have, uh, I think, four or five more years on him already. So uh, Schlappick will definitely fit into that um, future core more. I, I mean, he's not he's not exactly a core player. He's kind of a supplementary player, but I don't see how you treat Connor Brown or Anthony Duclair as one of those core players either. Yeah, well, I think, I think in terms of Schlappick over Brown, um, I mean, like I said, so much can change from now until then. I mean, hell, there's a chance that maybe they trade Logan Brown before then, or maybe maybe Brown has like an awful season and they just leave him unprotected. Um, and and I think so much will depend on what happens this coming season. Um, just looking at Schlappick's um, counting numbers like he had six points in 31 games which obviously like we know um he's obviously more valuable than that because of his his defense and things like that but just in terms of you know thinking about what a team would be looking for if he doesn't really put up too many more points in this coming season I don't really think he'd be that much of a risk to lose from Seattle anyway so that's sort of why that's my thinking and and to be honest like I'd be happy if he turned into a Connor Brown who can play on the, on the third line. I'd like to see more offense from him. Um, obviously, he wasn't given a ton of minutes, so that's easier said than done. Um, but to me, like, I don't know. Ottawa's definitely signing Brown for at least the next three years, probably like maybe even four or five. So I think it would be... There, there's, there's no way they're leaving him unprotected. And I... I 
yeah, to, to me, like, I just don't, if they did end up losing Schlopik, I don't think it'd be a huge deal. Um, in terms of Balsers as well, I, I'm a big fan of him too. He just hasn't had enough um, playing time in the NHL to prove himself. I, I wish he had. Um, and we'll see what they do with Declare in the offseason because like, he's an RFA right now. Um, and I, I'm with you in that I think he's quite a flawed player and I'd be curious to know what they could get for him on the trade market. Um, but I think on a rebuilding team, he's worth keeping in the top six just to see what he can do. So, um, I don't know. And to me, like, I think the best case scenario with Balsers is like maybe a 50 point player, like maybe someone who can play on the second line, but probably more on the third. Um, I think if you lose either one of Balsers or Schlopik, it probably isn't a huge deal though. Yeah. So just to address what you, we were talking about, talking about Schlopik versus Connor Brown, I actually see them as pretty equal already right now. Connor Brown was dearly loved by DJ Smith last year. He actually led the Sens in time on ice last year, even including defensemen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it had incre- an incredible amount of defensive zone starts, played a lot on the penalty kill. But he was effective, but he wasn't extremely effective as a defensive player. And then on offense, he just kind of didn't provide too much either. So, and Schlappick, meanwhile, even though he didn't play as much, he actually was just about as effective as Connor Brown in, in his role. So they're both kind of third liners at least to me that's how i see them right now and then schlapik as well is significantly younger so i take him um i protect him over connor brown almost every time even even just even though i'm sure the sens will protect connor brown because i mean dj smith is kind of like his father at this point almost so yeah um i i think it's a good point that you mentioned that uh schlapik isn't exactly the kind of guy that a, a team like scatter would reach for but if you have to look at the players available from the Sens, I mean, if they have to pick somebody, uh, he may end up being the best player from that from that group. Um, I'm mm-hmm. actually a bit, I'm actually a bit curious on your take here because I'm surprised you put uh, Vitaly Ibramov on your list over guys like Balsas and Shalapik. Are you just higher? Do you think on his development curve? Or I think he just has a higher upside. Um, like, I mean, this is something that could easily change in halfway through next season, even like a month into next season, you know, if, if Abramov's struggling in the AHL, um, I, I still think he does need to take another step and, you know, get stronger at the NHL level. Um, I just think he has that top six upside, which I don't necessarily, like, I think he has just like, I think he could reach 60 points potentially. That's probably a ceiling. That's not necessarily likely. Um, but I would just rather keep the guy with a bit higher potential. That's all. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I kind of see them as pretty equal at this point. I think Ibramov is a bit younger than Balser's too, so that's definitely mm-hmm. a factor to consider. But I'm also pretty happy with how Balser's skill set has transformed to the AHL level, and and I think he could easily step into a top nine role for the Suns next season. Well, Bramov, I think I th- he could th- too. Yeah. Well, while, while Bramov, I think is is still a bit more raw in his potential, and he actually had to make some pretty significant changes to his play last season. He's driving to the net a lot more, which has been pretty successful for him so I'm, I'm happy with how he's progressed but uh, I, I of course I have both on my protected list because I'm, I'm definitely sold on both as, as prospects but uh, I don't know I, I just thought that was kind of curious but I also think it's worth mentioning the guys that we didn't uh, protect and neither of us uh, reached for Chris Tierney for one <laughs> and I think Nick Paul was another name that I actually considered a little bit in that mm-hmm. kind of tier with Connor Brown and Anthony DeClaire as as in terms of his effectiveness this past season but Chris Tierney I don't know do, do, neither of us ended up protecting him um, what was, what was your reason for that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He, well, he's also an RFA this season. So I, he'd be someone that I would be very okay if they moved him. Um, I, I can see them maybe signing him for, I don't know, like the next two years or something like just kind of a, a shorter deal. Um, just doesn't seem like someone who is going to be with the team very long, especially with guys like Brown and Norris and Pinto eventually coming up. Um, and obviously Colin White as well. Like it just doesn't seem, he doesn't seem like a guy that's, that's worth keeping around and he uh, isn't very good defensively either. So it's pretty easy for me to keep him off. Yeah. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. He is, he put up pretty average third line results last year playing in the top six. And the Sens had a lot of guys who put up third line results, including, yeah. Col- including Colin White and a bunch of the other guys who mentioned like Duclair and uh, Nick Paul. Yeah, he's pretty redundant. He's pretty redundant in the sense system, but you could also argue a lot of these guys are. But uh, of course, I left all of them on my unprotected list. So, um, yeah. So uh, I think Tierney just kind of falls in the same category for me. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I I think we just kind of took two different strategies overall. I I really went 
hard on protecting the prospects, and I think you took a couple more roster players, which I can understand, but uh, I feel like the roster players just aren't guys that I'm totally sold on as being valuable players in next year or even two or three years down the road. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see what, what next season, what happens for next season, because so much can change. So um, I, you know, I could definitely see myself wanting to protect one or both of Balsers and Schlopik, um in a year from now. So we'll see. For sure. Um, do you want to move on to the D though? All right. Yeah. I protected three defensemen and I chose Thomas Shabbat, Christian Malenin and Max Lajoie. And, and who were your three guys? Yeah, so I had Shabbat and Willannon as well. And then the third one, my God, like it is really <laughs> slim pickings here. So, I mean, I picked Mike Riley. I know he's he only has one year left on his contract. So, like, he might not even be re-signed. But, um, yeah, I picked him. And, like, I'm really not sold on Lajoie. Um, but he was, he was pretty much the only other guy I even thought about protecting. So, I don't know, unless you want to go with Christian Yaros. But I'm not really sold on him either. Yeah, uh, it's it was for me. It was kind of between Lejeune and Yaros, two guys I'm, I'm not sold on either. Um, I'm just looking at the guys that they have uh, because Lassie Thompson, Eric Brandstrom, um, all those guys are are are, uh, are exempt from this. So it's uh, yep. it, you're right. It was very slim picking. Shabbat and Bolin were the two obvious picks. Um, I, I thought about Mike Riley, and he was actually pretty good <laughs> in his time with the Sens. I was actually yeah. pretty satisfied with that. But again, I'd, I'd rather just. It, the, the Sens are trying to rebuild. They're trying to build for the future and to be a winning team three, four, five years down the road. And I don't see how Mike Riley is going to ever be a part of that. Uh, and I don't really think Lejoie will be a part of that either. But if there's a guy I'm placing higher bets on, I'm being with the Sens at that point, then uh, I think Lejoie was my pick. Although, again, I'm, yeah, not, that's I'm, I'm, again, I'm not too happy with, with that. So, yeah. It's too bad that you can't you know have eight forwards and two D because oh, that would just be perfect for Ottawa. Agreed. Yeah. And for the goalie, yeah. I think we have the same pick here. Yep. Marcus Hogberg. That's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's obvious, but also you look at some of the guys they have left, and who knows if Andre Nielsen puts up a good year next year, he could switch that. Um, if DeCord or Gustafson break out next year, that could change that. But at this point, yeah, Marcus Hogberg is, uh, I think, has the best chance of being the Sens. Um, I think he the Sens' best goalie prospect now. I mean, he's 25, so he has a bit of a leg up on these guys, but uh, I don't know. Goalies yeah. are weird that way, and they can change pretty I mean, he's, turn- he's 26 in a couple months, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting that, you know, Joey Decord and Philip Gustafson will be exposed in this scenario. So uh, I wonder if Seattle would take a chance on a guy like Decord who is, you know, he he's performed well in the AHL and the NCAA, so... Maybe he's someone that if they want a third goalie for like their AHL team, they take Decord instead of someone like, you know, Schlopik or Balsers or Connor Brown or something like that. Yeah. And I think the thing with this entire list is that I expect this to be completely different a year from now. I mean, not only with, yep, all, yep. with all the moves that are going to happen between the sends, but uh, it's also just a matter of like next year is going to be very crucial for a bunch of these prospects because that's when they're going to try and break into the NHL. When we talk about these guys like, uh, like um, like Batherson, Brown, Balser, Schwapik, Abramov, all these guys, we're expecting them to actually start to become NHLers next year and uh, start to contribute a bit more to the roster and how that can rival guys like Nick Paul, Connor Brown, Anthony Duclair is going to play a lot into the Sens' decision next year. So, so it's a bit tough to compare right now when we're dealing with AHL seasons versus NHL seasons, but uh, hopefully that some of that uh, playing field can be leveled off next season. Yeah, I just can't wait for next season to start and like, have all the rosters set and stuff like that especially the draft it's just which is you know what like we said earlier 40 days away so it's it's finally uh around the corner with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, so uh, the last segment we have here is just some leftover listener questions that are more, you know, questions that we would normally save for the end of the episode anyway, not necessarily like huge theme ideas. Um, but the first two come from Tate Fraser and Spencer Blake. Um, and they're, they're similar talking about the coyote situation. So, um, Tate Fraser goes, 
What can the Sens get by dangling the Islanders first and a second to the Coyotes, who just got sanctioned into oblivion? I would very much like Jacob Chikrin. And then Spencer goes, would Arizona losing next year's first and having no first this year make them interested in Ottawa's Islanders pick? And if so, uh, what would you want from Arizona to get that pick? And would it be worth it for Arizona? So these are some pretty interesting propositions, and especially with Arizona losing their their first uh, and second round picks. I mean, you mentioned this earlier when we were talking about teams to swap with, but yeah, they're in a pretty dire situation, this scenario, but... I mean, Jacob Chitrin is a great name, but I, I think taking a step back, we've, we've received a lot of these types of suggestions where uh, Sens trading picks for young players, especially defenders. But like, I think it's worth being patient a bit with the Sens picks. And this is really the timeline that we're aiming for is using these picks or because the players the Sens are going to build around are going to be drafted this year. And the players that they're going to be building around are going to be drafted this year too in the next couple of years. So I think it's worth preserving these picks and... and having a bit of faith in, in these prospects the Sens are going to select. Um, I mean, I mean, as much as I like to harp on the Sens drafting, I mean, it's going to be crucial to their success that they, they nail these picks these, this year. So um, as much as I love Chitrin, he's a great guy I'd love to have on the Sens. Um, I'd personally just stick with the picks uh, personally. Um, another, I mean, if we're talking about the Coyotes in general, um, and they're really desperate for picks, a guy I might even target is uh, Ilya Liobushkin. I think I might have butchered that. Um, he's probably a lot cheaper than someone like Chitrin. Uh, I, I think he had like zero goals last year and something like three or four assists. He's an RFA too, so that'd be he, interesting. He, RFA, he just came over from, from Russia, much cheaper, but I think he was a super underrated defensive player last year. He was actually one of the NHL's better defensive players, uh, surprisingly. I think Micah's model had him as a minus 14 um, in terms of shot pressure in the defensive zone, which, which is really, really good for a defenseman. So... Um, so we could have three right shot defensemen who are Russian. <laughs> that that's that's extremely anti sense for what we would have thought a year ago. <laughs> yeah. But uh, hey, I'd be open to it. Holy Colin! Okay, so I'm just looking at his stats. You said he had zero goals. He had zero goals the year before that too. He's had 92 <laughs> games, zero goals, and eight assists. That's crazy! Wow. But he but he's an amazing shutdown shut defense. Oh, that's, that's what oh yeah, about. for sure. I'm all for that. Like especially if he's playing on the second or third pairing um sort of maybe similar to the role that zub will have um but wow that's just crazy you know (laughs) you'd think that eventually he'd run into a fluky goal somehow yeah it's interesting i don't know but we'll we'll go to our or do you have any other takes on this i'll I'll leave this to you actually no not really um i i I think chikrin would be worth um talking about but at the same time i don't think i don't think the coyotes would even accept like a first and a second like i think they would want a lot more he's he's super cheap he's only making 4.6 million over the next five years mm-hmm. so I, I don't think they really want to do that yeah all right well let's move on to the next question this one comes from wes at crunk wes on twitter if not number one what or who would you actually want the sense to trade both number three and number five for oh, rebuild context of course so if you're trading the third and fifth overall pick what do you think it would take god i don't i have no idea i mean i don't know if he means in separate deals or in the same deal probably he means like the same deal um, I mean, it would have to be like an established NHL young star. And I don't know who's, who's really doing that. Right. Like, um, you know, maybe the devils have given up on Jack Hughes already, but even that I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to be honest. Like I, I'd much rather have those, the two players who have very high upside. So yeah, like I, there, there's nothing that a team would do that would also be worth it for Ottawa in my mind. Yeah, unless they're somehow able to snag someone like you mentioned, like Jack Hughes or someone better than that. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 for me, I just put nothing. Let's just roll with it. Let's just go with it and have this historic top two two picks in the top five of the draft. So, and uh, yeah. just go with it. Yeah. Um, next one comes in from Jason Noonan. He says, "Veteran free agents who could help mentor the Senators' prospects." Um. So this is a bit tough because there's a lot of free agents and yeah. I, it's kind of a long shot for the sense to sign whoever I, I, I want to mention. But I think we're looking for, if we're talking about an ideal free agent, I want someone like Tyler Ennis 2.0, who's very cheap and effective. And that's what Tyler Ennis brought to the team last year. And the guy that I brought up, and maybe this is a bit more expensive, but it is Craig Smith on Nashville. He made 4.25 million last year. So uh, who knows if he, he, there's, there's almost no chance it would be as cheap as Tyler Ennis was. 
Uh, but he is like one of like a super underrated player on Nashville. Um, amazing defensively, but also is able to uh, produce a lot offensively too. And a lot of that doesn't show up on uh, in his point totals. But I think that um, in terms of an effective player who could um, really fit in on that roster without taking up too much space from the, from the young guys, Craig Smith is a guy that I would target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would love to have him. I think there's precisely zero percent chance Ottawa actually gives gives out that kind of money, but yeah. um, it'd be fantastic. I'm just looking at the list of uh, free agent forwards here, and I mean, yeah, like you said, it's a long list. So I don't know, someone like um, I don't know if Troy Brower is even going to be still be playing, but he's he, he's like a very Ottawa type player that they would want. Not that he would necessarily be that great. Um, you know, I don't know Trevor Lewis, Kyle Clifford. Um, I'm thinking guys along those those lines, not necessarily, um, you know, analytics darlings or anything, just kind of guys who can be in the bottom six. So, yeah, and anyone. Well, I was gonna say anyone under like two million, but then again, Hainsey made like what was he making three and a half? I think so. They they could sign someone maybe a bit more expensive, but I wouldn't expect them to be anyone that's gonna move the move the needle too much. I still can't believe they gave Ron Hazy three and a half million last year. That's <laughs> <It's> crazy. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I, I, it, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but like, no. Come and they on. probably had to give him that much if they like, they must have really wanted him, you know. And like, I don't know. He he probably, I could see him like maybe wanting to go to like a better team, but maybe they were only offering him like one and a half, and then just three and a half was way too hard to ignore. So I could see that um, situation unfolding. But- just, just don't bring him back next year. He's thirty nine already. Yeah, please don't. Yes, I, I, I can't believe. I still can't believe those are the rumors are going around. But, um, oh God, yeah. okay. This, this is the last question. This is from a friend of the podcast, Ashley, Ashley Glover. Uh, but his question is: Tell me why Jake Sanderson to Ottawa doesn't make sense as it does. I mean, I was reading that thread, and I get what he means in terms of like why. Why he would be like an Ottawa pick, you know, he's yeah. committed to North Dakota, which Ottawa's had, God, I mean, they've had Bernard Docker, Tyconic, uh, Willanin, Pinto, like they've had so many guys there recently. Um, so like in terms of the ties to, you know, NCAA, 100% he does. And he seems like uh, a hardworking player that is defense first that, that they would love. And I would love to have him. I just wouldn't love him at five. There's so many better forwards. If they had a pick at like 10, 11, 12, I would love him in that spot. But oh, I honestly, I would be pretty upset if they took him at five just because just because of who is available instead. So um, I like the prospect, but I'd much rather have, you know, Raymond or Rossi or Perfetti, one of those guys. Yeah, I, I'm totally on board with you on that. I, I mean, I've totally done a 180 on Jake Sanderson as well recently in that. Like I, I, I was harping on him quite a bit as the season's gone on, but uh, yeah, he he is a very solid defensive player, and especially in transition too, he is a transition monster. Like he can really get the puck up the ice extremely effectively. But as you mentioned, yeah, the Senators need forwards a lot more. I know they need defensemen as well, but they they really need those high end forwards, and that's where they're going to get them with these picks. So, um, yeah, so this this is the year for forwards. If they really want a defenseman, I'm sure they'll have a high pick next year too to use that on the strong crop of defensemen in 2021. Um, yeah. Also, from a more practical standpoint, the Suns have actually shown some reported interest in Lucas Raymond uh, from Corey Promen, and I think Haley Salvian actually mentioned a bit of that too. Um, but also, Dorian mentioned something about, um, in an interview, wanted something about NHL-ready prospects, and while I don't think they're going to be able to get that at five, I mean, maybe you look at someone like Marco Rossi, Quentin Byfield even, maybe they want him in the NHL next year, Anton Lundell even. I mean, Sanderson is kind of at the bottom of my list when uh, you're talking about guys who are NHL ready. I mean, there's only one player who's actually gone from the NTDP to the NHL, and that was Jack Hughes last year. So um, whether Sanderson's going to be that second guy, I don't think so. I think he has still has some areas to work on in this game, and he'll do that in college uh, next year or whenever that starts because of, uh, of course, COVID. So, I mean, you're, you're right that there is definitely some good reason for Sanderson to be uh, linked to the Sens. I mean, I, I, of course, I wouldn't be entirely happy with that for the same reasons that you mentioned, Trevor. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't think it's exactly the fit that uh, they're looking for this year. But I've actually seen quotes from Scouts as well who have Sanderson as high as third overall. But, uh, yeah, let's hope the Sens are not one of those teams. Definitely. Um, so those are all the listener questions. Uh, thanks for those, as always. 
Um, and thanks for the suggestions for um, the other segments. That's great. Uh, you know, Colin and I were definitely, I, w- I don't know if struggling is the right word, but like we were, you know, trying to think of ideas and trying to think outside of the box. And um, I think we did that with some earlier episodes, like with the um, the series we did with the two Senators teams going head to head against each other and simulating that. Um, but yeah, like honestly, I'm I'm just so excited for uh, when the draft comes around and we can, we can have more coverage of that, like previewing that in like a month or so, which will be, you know, like a week or two before the draft actually starts on, I believe October 10th. And yeah, like from now, from now until then, um, I guess we'll have to enjoy the playoffs, but yeah. Anything else, Colin? 40 days, 40 days. I can't come quick enough. I'm just excited for the draft and we'll see you then, I guess. It's almost there, folks. Hold tight. As I wrap it up, a reminder that you can find the Copper Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And if you really like it, you can rate and review it on those platforms as well. You can also find me on Twitter at CodmoreCullen. Remember writing at Silver7 Sends. And for Trevor, you can find him on Twitter at ShackTS and follow him on YouTube at The Hockey Shack. You can also find our podcast on Twitter at CB Pointcast, where we'll put out calls for listener questions for future episodes where you can submit them there. Well, we appreciate every single one of you. Thanks for listening. So stay safe, everyone. That's all for today, folks. Adios.